All right, so this morning we are going to continue in our series on the book of Ephesians. And uh, it's kind of a weird title, but I decided to title this passage a full passage. And the reason I've decided to title it a full passage is because it is a full passage. And you notice it says part one. So I know we've been kind of moving through Ephesians here week by week and, and you know, going uh, section by section. But we're going to camp out here in this passage, I think, for the next uh, few weeks. Probably at least three, maybe more. We'll see. But uh, I'm going to ask you, if you will, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5 with me. We're going to look at verses 15 through 20. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's... Bible's in your pews, and as always, I will have all the scripture up on the screen as well as we go along. Now, just to remind you uh, what was going on when we were in Ephesians, uh, I guess that was two weeks ago, huh? Two weeks ago. Um, Paul calls us to be light, to be the light of Christ that shines in the darkness. And, and we shine that light by living as children of truth and reflecting the very character of God. And that's what Paul was talking about. So, on the heels of that idea, this is what Paul says next. And there's an outline in your bulletin if you would like to uh, follow along this morning and maybe take some notes of what, what I have to say or whatever. And the first idea this morning is this. Simply watch your step. Look what it says in verses 15 and 16. It says this. So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Paul calls us to walk carefully. We are to walk carefully. In other words, we need to be careful about how we live our lives. Paul frequently uses that term walk in association with how we live. Um, it's interesting because the word careful also can be translated as skillful or with wisdom. So when Paul calls us to walk carefully, he's calling us to walk with skill. And he's calling us to walk with wisdom. And we're going to kind of uh, look at all those ideas this morning. We are, we are to walk in a manner that pleases God. Now, what does that look like, to walk in, the man in a manner that pleases God? It's about uh, making right every opportunity, making the right use of every opportunity we have. And, and how do we do that? Well, let me throw a few examples out at you. When people, when people say things about God that are wrong, take a moment and, and say, you know what? That's really not who God is. If somebody says, well, God's just this guy who's waiting for us to do anything wrong so he can just <laughs> smash us down. Well, that's not true. You say, no, that is not true. God loves us. And let me tell you how much he loves us. You can share the good uh, news of Jesus Christ. When we make decisions, take the opportunity to make right decisions. We have, every day we have tons and tons of decisions to make. Tons of choices to make. Make the right choice. Make God choices in your life. When people ask you, well, why do you live the way you live? Share with them that it's all about Jesus. And if people ask you, why do you follow Jesus? Tell them. Don't just blow it off. When people ask you about a, a, a certain, a, your opinion about a certain subject, do you bring Christ into your answer? Because remember, Christ needs to permeate into everything we are and everything we do and everything we think. Paul just got finished saying that in an earlier part of chapter 5. 
So when somebody says, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about the racism that everybody's talking about in our country right now? Does Jesus enter into your answer? I hope he does. What a great opportunity to talk to people about the love of Jesus Christ. When people ask my wife or I, why does your marriage work? When, When we were doing that show back in January before all the COVID stuff, my wife and I were being a little goofy at rehearsal one night, and she was sitting on the far side of the stage for me, and I was on the other side, and we were making faces at each other and everything. And one of the girls next to me said, wow, you guys seem to have an awesome marriage. Why is that? I'm so glad you asked. Because Jesus is the center of our marriage. Jesus is the core of who we are. And that makes everything else work. Seize those opportunities. As Paul says, make the right use of every opportunity. We should walk carefully, Paul says. Why? Because the days are evil. What does Paul mean by that, the days are evil? Look out the window. Right? I mean, yeah, Paul wrote this a long, long time ago. He could have wrote it yesterday. There are many in this world who are walking in darkness, who are walking in sin, who are living a life full of anger and hatred and bitterness, a life without direction, a life without meaning, a life without purpose, a life filled with sin, a life without Jesus. And friends, our time here on this earth is short. We don't know what tomorrow holds for any of us, do we? We must make full use of our time to help those out of the darkness and into the light. And the way we live will have a huge impact on our ability to be used by God in this way. Okay? So, let's talk about seeking understanding. Learning and seeking understanding. Look what it says in verse 17. It says this. It says, Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Paul says, don't act thoughtlessly. It's an interesting word. It means foolish. Don't act foolishly. Don't act senselessly. Don't act in an unwise manner. As believers, we need to understand what the Lord's will is, right? And in order for us to live a life that pleases God, we must understand what pleases God. Duh, right? You're probably going, Pastor, that's... Pretty straightforward, right? I I believe duh is a theological word, by the way. If it was in the common language, I think there's several times in Scripture Jesus would have said duh, right? Jesus, was it this woman's mother or was this woman who sinned that, or this person, did they sin in the womb because they were born blind? If the word was available, Jesus would have said duh. Okay, just say, sorry. How do we know what pleases God? Well, there's this really cool thing that helps us. It's called the Bible, okay? And God's Word tells us what pleases God. So I'm going to take us through just a few scripture passages we could spend today, tomorrow, the next day, and whatever talking about what pleases God that we find in the Word. So let's look at a few verses, okay? Hebrews 11, verse 6. The writer of Hebrews says this, And this is important to understand. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let's 
let's keep that clear from the get-go. The second one I want to share with you is uh, Paul. what Paul says to the church in, in Thessalonica. He says, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God, as we have taught you. You are doing this already, and we encourage you to do so more and more, for you remember what we taught you in the name of the Lord Jesus, as we have taught you. The instructions that the, the disciples gave to the church in Thessalonica, the, the instruction that Paul gave to them, they were instructed on how to live. And you know what's really cool? The instructions that they were given were written down for us and are in God's word. So we can read that and know the same thing. Oh, okay, this is what we need to do, and this is how we need to please God. So the first thing we see is we have to have faith. The second thing is we need to look to God's word. Now, let's see what it says in the Old Testament. The prophet Micah says this, Oh, people, the Lord has already told you what is good, and this is what he requires. Oh, good, see, now we know what. We're going to find out what here. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Ethan, does that verse sound familiar to you? Good. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Look what Paul says in the book of Romans. He says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Wow. Okay, we just four verses there, and we've gotten a wealth of information as to how God calls us to live. So we look to God's word. But let's look at the next passage here. And I've titled this idea, Not on Wine. And I never thought I'd show a picture of a person who looks a little soused on the screen. This is water, by the way. Verse 18 says this. It says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Now, Paul is giving us some more direction here on, on how to know what pleases God. <coughs> Excuse me. Because as we just read in those verses, there is a connection between what we know and believe and how we act. Let me say that again. There is a clear connection between what we know and how we believe and then how we act, okay? So, Paul says, don't get drunk on wine. This may seem a little out of place here. I mean, Paul is giving us this instruction of how to live and everything. And oh, by the way, don't get drunk on wine. You know, was, it a, was that an afterthought? Was Paul just kind of throwing that in there? Because remember back in chapter 4, Paul gave us a whole bunch of specifics of how to live and how not to live. Why didn't he say it back there? Why didn't he say, don't get drunk on wine? Why did he put it here? I'm so glad you asked. Why did Paul put this here? I think there's a very specific reason. And hear me out on this, because it's going to take me a little while, so follow along. If somebody is drunk, can you tell? This is the part where you participate. If somebody is drunk, can you tell? Yes. How can you tell? 
Okay, thanks, thanks, Dad. The way they act. When somebody is drunk, it affects the way they act. In what ways? It will affect the way they talk. People may slur their words. Or they may not make any sense at all, right? It will affect what they say. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but people who are drunk tend to have no filter when they speak. They will say things that are offensive. They will say things that are harmful to others. When someone is drunk, it affects the way they walk, right? They may stumble. They may fall down because their balance is all messed up, right? It will affect the way they think. Some people may think things are different than what they really are. And unfortunately, for many people, it will affect their personality. Some people can get goofy or giddy. Some people can get angry and mean. And some people can even get violent. Ever watch the show Cops? Wow, how many episodes are, oh, this person's been drinking too much and they're now angry and mean and all this stuff. Some people may just pass out and lose consciousness altogether. When someone is drunk, it influences everything about them. In fact, when someone is driving while drunk, police officers refer to that as a DUI, driving under the influence. Now, this is not a temperance message, okay? I'm going somewhere with all of this. So what does Paul say? He says, don't get drunk on wine in the middle of all this instruction. Well, why? Well, I think the answer is in the very next sec sentence. Look at the second half of the verse again. He says, don't get drunk on wine, but what? Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. I believe that Paul is saying that there will always be something that influences us or controls us in our lives. And that needs to be the Holy Spirit. Because Paul could have said, don't get drunk on wine. He could have said, don't get drunk on beer. He could have said, don't get drunk on bourbon. He could have said, don't get drunk on power. He could have said, don't get drunk on control. Don't get drunk on wealth. Don't become a workaholic. You could fill so many things in there. What Paul is saying is, don't let any of these things control you, but let the Holy Spirit do that. I believe that Paul is saying there will always be something that influences us and controls us. And again, that needs to be the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, understand this. As Christians, we already have all of the Holy Spirit. But what Paul is saying is we need to let the Holy Spirit have all of us. Let me say that again. From the moment we come to know Christ as our Savior and Lord, we have all of the Holy Spirit. But Paul is saying, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to have all of us. Why do people get drunk? Why do they drink to get drunk? I'm not talking about the occasional drinker or stupid teenagers or anything like that. I'm talking about the habitual drinker who regularly drinks in excess. Why do people drink to get drunk? They drink to get drunk to hide their problems. They drink to get drunk so that they can feel something other than despair and, and discouragement. I'm going to show you a verse in scripture that many of you probably don't know is even there. Proverbs 31, it says, Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. How many people have spent time on that verse? 
Not many, right? Now, do we read that verse and we say, okay, that's a license in Scripture. It says there in Proverbs. So they can drink and forget. Oh, I want to drink and forget my poverty no more. But there's a, there's a disclaimer in there. Those who are perishing, those who are in anguish, those who are in misery, none of those describes a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen? Because we are never in anguish, we are never in misery, and we are never in poverty, because through Jesus Christ we have hope, we have peace, we have joy, and we have a future. So don't use that verse out there. Because you can't. As some may pour wine into themselves to find some type of temporary peace, we should allow the Holy Spirit to pour into us to find true peace. You see, friends, when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it affects the way we act. In what ways? Good, I'm glad you asked me that question. It affects the way we talk. Our lips will be filled with the things of God, giving God glory for everything in our lives. Look at the next two verses in this passage. It says, then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what will happen when we are filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. People who've had too much to drink tend to have no filter when they speak, but whereas those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit see life through the filter of Jesus Christ. When we are filled with the Spirit, it affects the way we walk. We will have balance in our lives. And we will have balance because everything starts with Jesus. There shouldn't be inconsistencies in our lives if everything starts with Christ. It'll affect the way we think. We will see things for how they really are, and we will be able to see plainly truth from falsehood. And it will affect our personality. You will still be you, but we will have an underlying peace and joy and hope in our lives. We will have a perspective on life that those in darkness cannot have. And when we are controlled by the Holy Spirit, it influences everything about us. So instead of being guilty of a DUI, driving under the influence, let's be guilty of an LUI, living under the influence. The influence of the Holy Spirit, that is. So let me finish with this idea. This idea of gaining influence. As you're listening this morning, some of you may be thinking, I haven't experienced that in my life, living under the influence of the Spirit. Maybe you're saying, that's what's really been missing. You haven't allowed yourself to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. As a believer, although the Holy Spirit is within you, you have not surrendered everything to the Spirit. Well, what gets in the way of that happening? Well, the truth, friends, is we do, right? Our sin, our pride, our willingness to surrender our willingness to hold back certain areas of our lives from God. And I'm not just talking about sin or a secret sin that somebody hides. I'm talking about this idea that all the things that we believe. I'll come back to what's going on in the world right now with the, the whole racism thing. What role does Jesus play in that for you? I had a friend who told somebody else that, you know, the real issue with this is it, it, this is a love issue. We need to love people. And you know what? That's the truth. And that's the bottom line. That needs to be the foundation of what we are doing. 
and I'm going to step on a couple toes here, I think, but that's okay. If you're approaching this whole idea with anger in your heart, something's not right. You need to approach this whole situation with love in your heart. We live in a world that is lost. We live in a world, as Paul says, that is in darkness and people who don't know how to love because they've never experienced the perfect love of Jesus Christ. And until people understand what real love is, there are always going to be issues and there are always going to be things that get in the way. That needs to be the foundation of everything that we are. Because still the bottom line, friends, is that we are ambassadors for our Savior and we are the messengers carrying the message of the gospel and we have been called to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen? That has to be our core always. Let's not get deceived by things. That has to be the core of who we are. Does that mean that we don't speak up and we don't call for changes? No, that doesn't mean that at all. But that does mean that's where our foundation is. Because if it's not coming out of love, it's probably coming more from us than from God if it's coming out of anger. Does that make sense? Okay, simple. Our willingness to surrender can get in the way of the Holy Spirit leading in every part of our lives. And our lack of understanding what pleases God may get in the way because we are not taking time to seek Him. We have to be in His Word to understand who God is, right? We have to be in his word to understand what God expects of us and what God calls us to be. One of my biggest pet peeves in life is when people use God's word for their purposes instead of God's. Let me explain. If I go on social media, I have seen a lot of things lately where people will take a scripture or passage, a passage of scripture, and apply it to something that they're trying to, that, that is their agenda. God's word speaks for itself. We don't get to say what God's word says. God's word says what it says. And we have to be very careful, friends. If we start to use God's word in a manner that is not consistent with what God is talking about. Friends, that's, that's heresy. Whether you want to, if you think that's harsh, I'm sorry, but that's what it is. God's word speaks. We open God's word and we let him speak. Like I said, when I prepare a message, I don't say, what do I want to talk about this week? And let me find a scripture that fits that. No. I say, what does God's word say? And whatever his word says, that's what we talk about. Are you with me? Do you understand? We have to be sharp and we have to be wise, as Paul says, and skillful, as Paul says, as we handle God's word of truth. So I want to encourage you today, as I finish this, I want to encourage you today, if you are looking at the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life and you're saying, I'm just not there, I'm not, something's not right and i got to fix that. Today I'm going to ask you to do something really bold with that. Because this is a cool place. And the reason this is a cool place is this is a room full of people who love each other and love you. The ones they know well, the ones they don't know well. They love you. We we love you. And this is a safe place. This is a place where people aren't judged. This is a place where people are learning and growing together and trying to understand 
what it means to be a Christian, to serve God, and to, to advance his kingdom in this dark world. So the bold thing I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and we're going to sing a song to end our service. And if you would like somebody to just pray with you, I would ask you that as we're singing, just come and have a seat in the front pew, okay? Well, we can break social distancing for this, right? Um, and just, and somebody will be happy to come. I promise you, somebody will come and sit and pray with you and encourage you and love on you. So if, if that is how God is leading you today, I would encourage you to do just that while we're singing this last song together. So I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. And we can sing together. And uh, I've chosen this song because uh, it says that this world is empty, full, and poor compared to knowing you. So it's a call for God to lead us and guide us and direct us in the midst of a world that is challenging and in the midst of the world that so desperately needs Jesus Christ. So. Sing with us, if you will, please.